Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. What's going on, Citizens Youth? Sam here, and I'm excited to be with you tonight at our first ever online youth gathering. How are you guys doing? Are you ready for this? And so we are a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. And even though we're staying indoors tonight, even though we wanna be responsible over the next couple of weeks, that's not gonna change anytime soon, all right? We're gonna continue to to connect on here online, do some fun interactive things over the next few weeks so that we can continue to engage and be with each other. And so tonight we are online like most of the world, but luckily you know a little something about being online, right? You students are super savvy with the technology and the social media, and you know a little something about Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. I mean, who doesn't, right? These are global phenomena. Everyone in the world right now knows of social media. They're using it. At least they've heard of it. You could say that social media is pretty massive and it's here to stay. And so for the last few hours, I've been doing way more with social media than I've done in a long time, just because I want to connect with you guys and I want to keep us all in the loop. And so as I'm looking through these different platforms and I'm looking at the updates, I can't help but think to this to myself. I look at how massive these are and I just wonder to myself, how did we get here, right? Like how was TikTok born? Like who thought up Snapchat? And so I want you to imagine with me that you could go back to those very first moments, to those very first meetings where the idea of TikTok was ever discussed. And you're there and you're a fly on the wall and you're hearing this person just go, I have a great idea. Imagine you can go back to those very first breakout sessions where they're brainstorming on someone's couch or or maybe you go back to the conference room where they first rolled out their plan to take over the world with social media. What would that have been like to listen to the strategy as it's being discussed, to see the plan drawn up and arranged and developed? You know, here's what I think. I think that if we could go back to the day and to the moments that social media was born, I think number one, we'd all be super rich because we'd be in on it. But then number two, I think we would look at their plan. We would look at the process and we would go, no wonder it's taken over. Look at their plan. It is brilliant. And so, I'm talking about how social media has blown up into a global movement because for the next few moments, I want us to consider another global movement. For the next few moments, we're gonna talk about another phenomena that makes TikTok look like child's play. I'm talking about a phenomena here that is bigger and has been around longer 1,000 times than Instagram and it shows no sign of stopping students. Tonight, I'm talking about a global movement. I want to talk to you about the Jesus movement. You see, we're living in 2020 and it's thousands of years after Jesus was born. And yet people are still talking about him. People are still talking about his message. People are still considering how they're going to respond to what he said. And so every day this message is spreading and it is called the gospel. Every day, more and more people are becoming followers of Jesus. And so just like these global movements, I wonder to myself, how did that happen? What was it like when, it, when the, the first day that that plan was rolled out? 
How do we get here to where this Jesus movement is taking over the world? And so tonight we're get, we get to look at the day that missions was born. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? Do you have your Bibles? Go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 28, okay? We're continuing our series, Made for Missions, and we're gonna flip over to Matthew chapter 28. Verses 19 and 20, these are the last, the very last verses in this entire book. And spoiler alert, the Matthew is about the story of Jesus, about his life, his birth, life, and death. He dies at the end, but spoiler alert, Jesus raises from the dead. Like Jesus literally rises from the dead. He appears to his disciples proving that he was who he said he was. It proves that what he said he was going to do, he did it because he was God. And so I want you to imagine, right? You're one of the disciples and you wake up this day and Jesus, one of your friends over the last several years has been crucified. And you wake up and it's a Sunday and Jesus appears to you and you just lose your mind, right? You're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you're alive. You gotta tell everyone, Jesus, you, you better get started right now. I mean, the world needs to know what we are experiencing here. You're God. Your message is life-changing and eternity-shaping. And so Jesus, we need to go global with this thing. And so tell you what, Jesus, you get a good night's sleep. I'm gonna start packing for you because we're starting first thing in the morning. Jesus, oh man, I can't wait. People people gotta hear from you. And Jesus, you know, puts up his hand and he goes, actually, wait, 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 hold on. Actually, I'm, I'm going back to heaven soon. And the disciples, they don't, they don't understand this. They, What do you mean you're going back? Like, Jesus, who's going to tell the story? You're needed now. Come on, stop, stop. You'll go to heaven another time. But right now, the world needs you. And he goes, no, no, no. I'm going to heaven. And so the disciples are sitting there. They're confused. They they have a little bit of whiplash from this excitement and confusion. And they say, Jesus, who is going to tell the story? The world needs to know. I mean, what we are experiencing here is life changing. Jesus, who is going to tell the story? And Jesus, he looks at them and he goes, that is a great question. Let me tell you my plan. And in the next two verses, Jesus is going to roll out his plan, his strategy for creating a global movement that will take over the world for generations to come. And you and I tonight, we get to be a fly on the wall and see the day that missions was born. So let's take a look. Starting in verse 19, Jesus says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Two short verses here. And we're gonna, what we're gonna do is we're gonna see three things, okay? First, we see the command. Second, we see the game plan. And third and finally, we see the promise, okay? Those are our three points we're gonna see here for a few moments. Let's go back to the first one, the command, and see what he says. So Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is the command. This is the heart of the passage of Jesus' instruction here. He says, make disciples, Do you know what a disciple is? Go ahead and tell your neighbor on the couch what a disciple is. (laughs) A disciple is a follower, 
A disciple is a student of someone or something. You can be a disciple of anything. I knew a guy once who he was the hugest fan. He was a huge follower of Steven Spielberg and he studied all of his films because he wanted to be a filmmaker. So you could say he was a disciple of Spielberg. So a disciple is someone who follows, someone who says, teach me, I will follow, right? This is, not a, this is not a person who is made to follow. They're hungry and they're sitting forward and, they're, and their posture and their attitude says, please teach me because I will follow. And so Jesus gives a very simple command. It's two words, make disciples. But in his command, we learn a profound truth. Jesus is calling people to follow him as disciples. Jesus is building a people who say, teach me how to love God. Teach me how to love people and I will follow you. To put it another way, Jesus is building a family of followers, not fans, okay? Jesus is building a family of followers, not fans. So think about any sports stadium that you go to, right? And you see the fans who are in the crowd. They're sitting in the crowd. They enjoy watching the Jesus movement from the sidelines. They're rooting for Jesus. They're rooting for his followers. They genuinely want to see them do well, but they're not in the game themselves. You see fans, when they're sitting in the sideline, they're not hungry to learn. They're not serious about being a student. They don't have that hungry posture that says, teach me and I will follow. That's a fan. But what we see here is in the command is that Jesus is looking not for fans, but for followers. These are people who go after Jesus and call him Lord. These are people who give their life to follow him, no turning back, no matter the cost, because it's worth it. These are people who, when everyone else is walking away from Jesus, they look to him and they say, we're gonna stay right here. Where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And so they sit at his feet every day, like a pupil, like a student. And they say, teach me and I will follow. Teach me how to live life the way that the father has designed it. Teach me how to turn from worshiping idols to serving the one true God. Teach me, Jesus, how to love people more than I love myself. Teach me how to be a servant. Teach me how to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Students, I'm asking you tonight, are you a fan or a follower? See, Jesus reveals his plan to make followers, his plan to make disciples. Who's gonna make disciples? He's talking to his disciples. And so we learn that disciples make disciples. Through his followers, he is building a family of more followers. Jesus is talking to you and me. He's talking to those who already follow him. And he says that we are to go and make disciples. How? I, I, I didn't rise from the dead. I didn't walk on water. I'm not God. And I'm sure you aren't either. And so how is it that Jesus expects you and me to, to go out into the world and to make disciples? Well, you see, this is where we get into my favorite part of the passage. Because not only does Jesus give us the command, he also gives us the game plan. And here's where we learn how to make disciples. Check it out. He says, go, 
therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so here we have students, the game plan. We want to make disciples. Here is the game plan. And so we look back at these three words that are highlighted, okay? Number one, he tells us to go. We are to go and tell the story. You see, this mission requires that you and I go. There are those in the world who don't know the truth about God. There are those who you know who don't know the truth about his son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus loves them so much that he tells you and I to go tell them, bring the news to them, go. You see, you and I, we can't share the story if we're just keeping to ourselves. As Christians, we're not to sit back and say, if they come to me, then I'll tell them. (laughs) If my friends ask, then I'll tell them. If people bring it up, then I'll tell them. No, Jesus doesn't say, if people show up, tell them. He says, go, go. Go tell the story, students. Go and cross barriers. Go and cross cultures. Go and cross your own prejudices and stereotypes and preconceived notions. Maybe you don't know where to start. How about we just start by crossing the street? How about you go and cross the room? Go across the cafeteria. Let's step out of our comfort zones and go and tell the story. Go and tell the gospel, which has changed your life and mine. And so that's the game plan. We go and then look at the second thing we do. The second word is we baptize. You know, here at Citizens Youth and at NGC, we love baptism because baptism is the moment that we go public with our faith in Jesus. Baptism is the way that you tell the world, I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, I'll never forget September 1st, 2012. That was the day that I got married to Miss Jordan Destin. And so on September 1st, as I stood up there in front of the world, right? Instead of my, in front of my family, in front of my friends, I stood up in front of my boys and I told everyone, whoever would listen. And then even those who didn't want to listen, I told them of my new vows and my commitments. I am going to be Jordan's husband for the rest of my life. She is now mine. I am hers and hers alone forever. And so I invited people to my wedding and I went public with that declaration. You see, in the same way, that's kind of what baptism is. In the same way, we're going public with our faith and we're telling our family and our friends and our boys and our sisters, anybody who will listen, we say, listen, I now live for Jesus forever. No turning back. Jesus has saved me. And now I declare my faith is in him and I am a follower. That's baptism. And so as we're making disciples, he says that we are to baptize people. But obviously we don't baptize people against their will, right? Like you can't make a disciple by sneaking into their room while they're sleeping and just like, and just dunk them in water, right? Like if you can make disciples that way, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be there where you are. (laughs) Yes, I'd be baptizing everybody. But no, 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 obviously you can't baptize people against their will. So when Jesus says to baptize people, what he's saying is, his point is, as you're making disciples, as you go, you are to bring people to the point of baptism. Bring people to the point of making a decision. And so we go 
and we tell the story, but eventually people are going to have to respond to him. Will you follow Jesus or not? You see, Jesus, the way that he gave us the gospel in the Bible, it makes it very clear that you only have two options. When you hear his voice, you will either become a follower or you won't. The gospel, see, guys, it's not just this FYI. It's not just like a public service announcement. Hey, just so you know, here's what Jesus did. No, you see, the gospel is a call. The gospel is a summons. And Jesus is calling the world through this gospel message to a point of action. He says, turn from following yourselves and follow me. And so we, we speak so clearly, we communicate the gospel. So that way that point of decision is very clear. And then as we're making disciples, when people say yes, we baptize them. We celebrate with them. We come alongside of them as family and we baptize them and we throw a party. And those of you who have been here at NGC for baptism, you know we party, right? We got the cupcakes, the music. I mean, it is just, it's beautiful as it should be because this is a huge momentous occasion. And so student, I ask you uh, sitting on your couch there tonight, have you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ? He's calling you. He wants followers. He says, follow me. Have you responded to follow him? If the answer is not yet, I love you. And let's continue to talk. I, I can tell you as your leaders can, that Jesus has been patient and has worked on me for a long time. And so if you're still in this community trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, let's hang out, let's talk. And let's continue to patiently understand this so that you can respond to him. If the answer is yes, you have, then I love you too. We are fellow followers of Jesus. And so we can do life together. Have you gone public with your faith? Those of you who are Christians, those of you who have followed Jesus, have you gone public through water baptism? If not, click on the link, let us know. And we would love to baptize you the next time we do that. Because that's how we make disciples. That's the game plan. We go, we baptize. And then look at the last part here, okay? He says, teach. Remember, what's a disciple? A disciple is a student. It's a, it's a pupil. And so it makes sense that disciples of Jesus need to learn. When someone becomes a Christian, we are to teach them. So think about the difference, right? Let's go back between step two and step three. Step two takes all of like what? 10 seconds you know, you get into the tank and I love it, right? I love sitting with students there and my sleeves are wet. And I, and I say to them, do you want to live for Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? And they say, yes. And I go, for the rest of your life. And they say, yes. And I say, no turning back. And they say, yes. So then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I hold them down, right? How fast did that take? It's like three seconds, right? In the tank, out of the tank. We're talking 10, 15 seconds top. Baptizing is the easy part. Teaching. Students, you know how long this takes? Do you know how long it takes us to teach new Christians and, and, and followers of Jesus how to live? We will be doing this until the day that you and I die. It takes forever because of the importance of these words. I want you to check out what he says. He says, teach but notice what we are to teach. He says, teach them to observe, which means to obey, teach them to obey 
all that I have commanded you. When we're making disciples, we go to them, we bring them to the point of baptism, and then we teach them to obey. Now that is a very important part because there's a difference between teaching you what he said and teaching you how to obey what he said. And so imagine this, imagine your mom, she actually just called me like 10 minutes ago. And she's like, Sam, before you get on camera, before you preach tonight, I need you to make sure that you tell my kid that he needs to build our doghouse. I know who you are. I know who you are. You've been bothering your mom for how many years to get a dog? And she said, I will get you a dog if you build a doghouse for it. And you go, fine, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And so she gets you the dog and you're like, I love the puppy, it's my puppy. And it's, it's, a, it's obviously a real dog, right? Because it's not a lap dog because those are like glorified cats and sometimes rats. But you got like a real dog here, right? Where it just like sits on your body and, and it's just like, ah, it's a dog, you know, and whatever, right? But you get the dog and you're so excited that you forgot to build a doghouse. And so your mom asked me tonight to tell you sitting there on your couch, to build the doghouse. But now I can do that in two ways. I can either just tell you, obey your mom, build the doghouse, or I can tell you how to obey your mom. I can give you the instructions and walk you through the process and I can give you the tools you need. And then I could actually build a doghouse myself and invite you to come along and help me. And I can demonstrate it for you and I can teach you hands-on. My, my point is, when Jesus gives us the command to go and teach, we could either teach people to obey. We can tell them to obey rather. Hey, Jesus said this, Jesus said this, do this, don't do this, live like this, think like this, speak like this. We can tell them to just obey him, but he doesn't want that. As we're making disciples, we're actually to teach them to obey. There's a huge difference between telling you to obey and teaching you to obey. You see, students, the reason why we're a community, the reason why we don't just do um, a couple of classes every year and call it good is that if we're going to teach you to obey, that requires a specific type of instruction. Teaching to obey requires what I call life on life instruction. You can't do this with a microphone and a podium. Like if all that we needed to do was teaching you, if all we needed to do to make disciples was teaching them what Jesus said, then like I could legitimately knock that out in like one semester. Give me a microphone, give me a camera, sit me down in front of a computer and I can teach you all of Jesus' commandments in one semester. But if I'm gonna teach you how to actually obey him, if I'm gonna teach you how to wrestle with the difficult truths that he communicates, if I'm gonna teach you that even when it's hard, I promise you it's worth it, then that's gonna require life on life. That's gonna require older followers coming together with younger followers. And the older followers are to bring younger followers into their life to get close enough for them to see what it looks like but then younger followers are to bring older followers into their life close enough so that they can encourage them when they're doing it right and also spot it when they're doing it wrong. Are you guys understanding the importance of community? Do you see why we're going through all of these, these efforts to stay connected and continue to teach and to gather together online and hopefully in several weeks even start doing some viewing parties? Community is extremely important. 
not just for what the world says, right? The world says, find community so that you can curb your loneliness. But here we find out that community is more than that. It's, it's not less than that, but it's more than that. It's one of the primary vehicles that Jesus puts in our life to teach us how to obey him. We need to see obedience demonstrated. We need to have examples. We need to have wisdom and guidance. You know, I'll never forget, um, I had a couple of students over my house once and they're sitting on the couch and, and we're just goofing off, we're having fun. But then, you know, we turn to the Bible and, and I go, so what are you guys reading? Like, what's Jesus teaching you as you spend time with him? And I'll never forget the one dude, he goes, Sam, Sam, I'm reading Philippians and there's a verse there that says, I'm supposed to put other people's concerns above my own. What? <laughs> I'll never forget. He's just, he was like legitimately shocked at the seeming impossibility of one of Jesus' commands. And he goes, Sam, what does that even look like? Like, how can I even live and take care of myself if I'm looking out for everybody else's needs and not my own? And so I was able to, to help him walk through that. I was able to, to help him see what does that look like? And what are examples? And actually, what does it not look like? And what are some preconceived, all of those things. See, what happened on that couch that night, students, that was discipleship. That was us teaching them to obey. And that's our game plan. We go out, we cross barriers, right? We baptize people, bringing them to the point of decision, and then we teach them to obey. And so our question is, who's going to tell the story? Jesus rises from the dead. He is here, man. If only Jesus could have packed up his bags and started walking all over the globe, surely everyone would believe, right? But that's not his plan. His plan is he talks to his disciples. He talks to the original 12 and then to you and to me and talking to them, he says, make disciples. So who is gonna tell the story? The answer is simple, disciples make disciples. And so students, we are a community of students who are passionately praying and preparing every single day about making disciples. We are passionate about missions, right? Because we look back to the birth point of missions where Jesus sent us out. And so we go. And so, you know, we've been talking for the last several weeks about going across the room to our fellow students. You guys know that right now the plan, Lord willing, the plan is to go across the country down into Mexico and tell the story there. And so don't forget those applications are actually due by the end of this week. If you wanna go with us to Mexico, okay? Who's gonna tell the story? You are. Who's gonna tell the Jesus story? Who's responsible for perpetuating this message and this movement that has gone global? You are, you are. You have a command, you have a game plan. But before I send you out tonight, I wanna give you one final piece of the, of the puzzle, one piece that brings it all together and is encouraging because Jesus ends with this final verse of the book. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, the final piece we have here, students, is the promise. You have the command, you have the game plan, and now you have the promise. Jesus doesn't send you out alone. He is with you. He has given you his Holy Spirit, which is his very presence. He makes you bold. 
He's with you, giving you the words to speak. He goes before you, preparing hearts to hear the gospel. He comes behind you, watering and growing the seeds that you've planted. He's above you in heaven right now, praying at the right hand of the Father for you specifically. He's all around you, working ceaselessly to spread the fame of his glory so that all may hear and behold how good it is to serve Jesus. That Jesus is with you. He's promised it. And so students, as we continue this series, even in these uncertain times, as we continue to engage online, not just with each other, but with our friends, with our classmates that we're not gonna see for several weeks, with our neighbors who are riddled with anxiety, with our friends on social media who just are super disturbed and don't know what to do, with, our, with the friends that we've actually never even met because they live in Australia and we only know them from catching them on mic, you have a message. You have a, a message of hope and of certainty and of truth and that we as followers of Christ, no matter what is happening in the world, yes, we can continue to be prudent and wise, but at the end of the day, we're not anxious. At the, at the end of the day, we're not stressing out too badly because Jesus Christ is still Lord of all and he sits on the throne. And so students, you have the command, go and tell people about that Jesus. You have the game plan, go baptize and teach. And you have the promise that he is with you until the very end of the age. Students, I love you guys so much and I can't wait to be with you again. See you soon. So we asked the question, Whose job is it to tell the story? Sam, and really Jesus told us, it's you, it's me. All disciples are called to tell the story of Jesus and what he's doing in our lives and in the world. Even now, even today, in fact, history shows that the gospel spreads even further every time Christians face challenge. So here's how we're gonna respond today. Right there in your app or on the live chat room are small group questions for the week. Tonight, take one of those questions and write or type out your response in a, in a journal or a notebook or bonus, call up some of the people in your small group, maybe group FaceTime and talk through these questions. So that's the first way. But also, all of us can join the Memory Verse Scripture Challenge this week. So let me read it for us. It's in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A good, easy verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let's hold on to that truth and let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you've called us to share your story, to share the story of what you're doing in our lives. And so God, would you help us to get creative? Would you help us to be bold? God, would you help us to go even while we stay? God, would you help us to share um, the story that you've given us? And God, we thank you that you are with us even to the end of the age. God, that you never leave us, that you are guiding us, that you are walking with us, and God, that you are truly unchanging, that we can trust you even in this time, God, so help us to be bold, help us to share, and help us to go. It's in your name we pray. Amen.